like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. Good morning, friends. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair. It's wonderful to have you here, whether you're joining us online, live, or archived, whether you're joining us in our studio audience here in Bernathan, Pennsylvania. It's wonderful to have you here. And today we're starting to look at is seasons of loss and just a little public service announcement before we launch in. Part of the challenge of church these days is, again, how do you create real meaningful community as part of the church experience? That's historically been such an important part. The idea that we're not just here to, to learn, we're here to learn together, that word together. And part of that learning together that we try to, try to make possible here at New Church Live is opportunities for people to meet together online, to have a wonderful conversation. And we're doing the same with this series around loss. If you would be interested in sitting down with a group of people from all over the country who are going to have a conversation around loss, both, both loss of, of things like, uh, you know, I no longer can get up as quickly out of the chair as I used to, to loss of the people we love, whatever the conversation might be pertinent, where it might be pertinent for you, we warmly invite you to join a small group we have going on. It'll start this Thursday at 8 p.m. Now, again, we know people may be watching this years down the road. Again, you can look on our website to find more information. If you are interested in joining that small group, you can go on our events tab of our homepage, or you can simply text me as part of today's service at 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. And with that, folks, let's go ahead and get, get started here. It's interesting looking last week at loss and the idea that life is not what it used to be. And we were talking about it in two senses. One is there are those, those diminishments of our capacities and our capabilities as we get older, but there's also this opening that happens. At the same time, life in many ways actually gets better as we get older, even though physically it might not. And somebody summed it up really well. Life is hard. God is good. And I think that is a powerful way to see it. And it's, it's interesting, friends, right? When, when, we look at, when we look at the world and when we look at life, we, we, we think about our lives and we think about continuity in our lives and what that continuity looks like. And I think with life, when we really try to we really get to understanding it, we can rest in a sense of deep joy. And that's what makes today's service, you know, in a way, a, a little bit tricky because there's statements like this around complete joy. This is from John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be Complete or full would be another translation there. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So, so, it's, so it's this really clear part that, that so much of it is this, is this fullness of joy. Like that's what God's all about is us, us really having this, this fullness of joy. And then we have moments where that joy breaks. Where we lose someone that we love. And I know there's people watching who are right in the middle of that loss. Who, who, are, who are wrestling with this because here's this continuity of joy and yet there's this break. It can feel like a break. And how does joy fit in? Well, 
Today what I want to talk about as, as we go through this idea of loss and seasons of loss is the idea of just taking a breath and coming to the word continuity. The continuity of life. It was interesting, you know, over the past few weeks, just playing around. I mean, this is just going to be something. <laughs> it just is changing our world in a lot of ways. Playing around a little bit with AI things around doing research and, you know, just plugging into a little AI bot, like what is the best part of Christian New Church theology? And they had a quote in there and it generated from online all these different things people had said. And, and what the bot came up with, who knows, you know, take it for what it's worth is the bot said, well, continuity. That's what the computer algorithm came up with. Continuity. That that's what Christian New Church Perspective offers, is this idea of continuity. This idea of this life and the next interwoven. This idea of our natural lives and our spiritual lives interwoven. That there's not a this here and now, and then way down the road, a then and there, the idea that they, they blend together. And there's, there's power when we start to see this, and we start to see this, this continuity, this continuity between this life and a joyful spiritual life. Now, now that continuity, folks, like it's, it's easy, and, I, and I, I, I wrestle with this a lot. It's not a continuity that's this chronological where every day is better than the day before. Sort of a chronological step, which would be very sort of a, a, an American way to see it, a cultural way to see it. And, it's, and there's, there's value to that. There's value to being a real optimist. But, but I think it's much richer than that. It's, it's a continuity where we, where we start to really understand like the, the richness and goodness of life. I want to stress that. Like, it's, it's, it's just because we go through loss does not mean that we won't experience life in its richness and its goodness. And in some ways, it's not that, not that loss feeds into richness and goodness. It's just, it's just when, we, when we go through seasons of loss, it gives us a very, a very deep perspective on the richness and the goodness of the fact that we're on this planet. The fact that we woke up this morning. The fact that we get to breathe and we get to live and we get to laugh and we get to love. All of those things. That's the continuity. And it, it seems important as we look at, at seasons of loss to really take a look at that and really try to hone in on, on what that integrity might look like and how in a season of loss we might try to place our feet in that place of understanding, of, of, of enrichment of life. We're going to do that today by looking at a famous story. It's the story of Lazarus. The story where he's buried in a grave, carved into a hill. It's a story where we see these lines. Again, these are interesting because a lot of these lines get, get reused again when the Easter story comes around where a stone is taken away, rolled away from the mouth of the cave, somebody's called by name, and where Jesus offers these beautiful words, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That idea of freeing something up. So as we launch into this service today, you know, I want to say, folks, like dealing with loss, for those of you watching, 
It's always, it's always just a tender topic. Some people pass and it feels like it was their time. It feels like their life was complete. And even if that's the loss that you're looking at, even that though can feel, still feel like a loss. Then there's other people, no doubt, who are dealing with losses where it didn't feel like it was the person's time, where it feels nothing but tragic. And our hope today is to be able to really just like breathe and just welcome both. It's not that there are a lot of answers to this stuff. It's not that there are these, these easy, simple formulas for moving through grief. I know in my own personal journey, what I've realized is that grief just does grief's thing. It feels like a current, like a river that just sweeps us along. But maybe there's a way we can just listen to the music of it and we can just start to come down to understanding, yep, there is a continuity here. That there is a river, a river that runs through all of our experience. And we're blessed. We're blessed that we get to do it together. So friends, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Susan, the plans they made put an end to you. Walked out this morning, and I wrote down this song. Just can't remember who to send it to. And I've seen fire, and I've seen rain. Seen sunny days that I thought would never end Seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I always thought that I would see you again Won't you look down upon me, Jesus You gotta help me make a stay You just gotta see me through another day my body's aching and my time is ahead. I won't make it any other way. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Seen sunny days that I thought would never end. Seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. But I always thought that I would see you again I've been walking my mind through an easy time My back turned towards the sun Lord knows when the cold wind blows It'll turn your head around That was the time on the telephone line To talk about things to come Sweet dreams of flying machines And pieces on the ground fire and I've seen rain seen sunny days that I thought would never end seen lonely times when I could not find a friend but I always thought that I would see you
What a beautiful song and, and that idea of, of fire and rain. And, and today we're going to look at a story that, that we'll see elements of that. And it's, it's a story about someone passing, a man by the name of Lazarus in this famous painting. And, and Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, a friend of Mary, not Mary, Jesus's mother, but Mary, another connection. And uh, he dies. He dies. And Jesus brings him back, back to life. And there's so, many, there's so many ways, again, we could look at this. I mean, obviously, you can look at it literally, which from a Christian New Church perspective, we believe this literally happened. And we also believe that, that there's a deeper part to this, that there's, a, there's something about in our own lives moving through grief. There's something in our own lives here about moving through loss. There's something in our own lives here about what rebirth looks like and how it works. So what I want to do is I want to read through the story right now and I'm going to read through just selected parts of it. And then we're going to, we're going to start to pull it apart a little bit to, to take a look at what it has to say about the continuity of our life experience. Now, just this morning, just to give you a little context for this story, it's interesting with the Bible that the Bible's written in these chapters. I mean, if you open up your Bible, it has chapters in it. It wasn't really how it was written. It was written as a, as a continuity. It's just like one document. And it wasn't an author sitting down saying, and now time for chapter 10, verse 1. And it's, so it's interesting when you read the stories that were right before it. And one of the stories right before this was Jesus talking about the 99 and the 1. And if you're unfamiliar with that story, it's just Jesus says, well, like, look, you're a shepherd. You got 100 sheep. You got 99 in the pasture. One's lost. What do you do? You go out and you look for the one, which, which is Jesus say, is saying like this extravagant love because you probably wouldn't leave 99 to go search for the one because the 99 then are unguarded. But it's, it's that idea of this deep, overwhelming love of God that's personal. It's not just global. God loves us. God loves you. And that is a beautiful context as we launch into this story of Lazarus. This is from John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus says, said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. And the word glory there could be defined celebration so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when they heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So they were away from this event. They hear about it. Two days later, they make the trip. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And again, here, folks, like, please see Jesus with a smile. Please see him with a smile. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I'm not there, so that you may believe, and let us go to him. And then the story continues. 
Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. When Mary then reached the place where Jesus was, we're switching from Martha to Mary here. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was moved deeply in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And this is a, this is a line many people do sermons on. Very beautiful line. Simple two-word sentence. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he left him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved. And, and that, folks, like even that, don't skate, skate over that, like deeply moved. The idea of God's heart, always the first to break. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been dead there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you will always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may, may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Jesus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And folks, there's just, there's so many there are so many parts to that story that are, that are powerful. And it's, and it's this continuity of experience and, and where we just get to see like, oh yeah, here are all these human experiences. And I think that, that just is a starting point of faith is not to think of, of spirituality and, and how we wrestle with these things as somehow detached from life or detached from Jesus' journey. Jesus came to this world to live life as we live it. Emmanuel, God with us. It's again, it's, it's just a little part, it's a little tiny, but it's so insightful and it offers so much beautiful theology. Jesus doesn't actually say to himself, I am the son of God. What he calls himself constantly is the son of humanity because that's where he wanted to place himself. The son of humanity. The son of people. Someone who can fully understand the loss that this family was facing. Who could have it in a sense, who could experience it in a sense in his own loss. And, and we see here, folks, lots of parts here that, that, are, that are so closely tied in with experiences that we have too. When we lose someone or we are close to losing someone that we love. First off, there's this hope. This sickness will not end in death. And it's, it's, you could look at that two ways. One is, you know, we're always sort of hoping for, for, for some sort of um, healing to take place, for, for somebody not to pass. And that's a beautiful hope. And we're also holding on at a deeper level that this sickness won't end in death, in a finality. Curtains closed, light off. That's a hope I think many, many people share. And then we also see hope in this line. Your brother will rise again. Again, we could see that 
we can see that in two levels. It's interesting, folks. You know, I was thinking a little bit about this over the past few days uh, in terms of getting ready for today. You know, here, uh, you know, a lot sometimes out there in culture, well, like nobody has come back from heaven to tell us, you know, that yes, there's resurrection and all this stuff, that there's life after death. And it's interesting to think, and just throwing this out there, it's interesting to think, how many people really believe that? that? That there actually is this heaven, that there is life after death, that they believe that? Because I hear about it all the time. I mean, as a, as a pastor, and again, I'm a hired gun, so maybe I'm being fed you know, certain kinds of information, granted, but still, I'm just amazed in conversation. Like, people know there's something else on the other side. That line, they, they know that their brother, their sister, their father, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, rise again. They, they, they know that there is this such this thing of, of life after death. They know it. <laughs> they know it. That's proof enough for me. That's proof enough for me that shared knowledge that all of us have. And it's not, folks, that, that outside of that hope that there aren't, there aren't challenges. There are challenges. I mean, you look at the line here. Here's a bargaining line if there ever was one. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And for a lot of people, as they face loss, there's that bargaining part of it. If only this, then dot, dot, dot. Very common part of the human experience, as is this, doubt. This simple doubt. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? You know, that idea like, God, you get to choose all things. How is this part of your plan? You help all kinds of people. How come not here? That's part of it again and again. And that can feed in as well, folks, to just a despair. And we do see despair in this as well. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That despair is part of this as well, folks. And, and, and let's, let's start to take a look. Let's start to tie this back into continuity. I'm gonna go sit over here in these chairs. As a pastor, I know there's these really sacred moments. There's these, these moments that are just so precious it's not to use a cliche, but to use a cliche, it's almost like time stops. In the sheer preciousness of the human experience, it's right there. In one of those moments, and all of you probably have experienced this, or at the very least you will experience this at some point in time in your life, is when a family gathers after a loved one has passed. Now, I'm not talking the funeral here. Funerals are very moving as well. But we gather in a circle and we just start to hear each other's stories about this person. Folks, these stories are so good. They're so good. 
I always, I always leave these, these meetings just feeling like I could cry for a week. And it is, it is tears for loss, but, it, but it's also tears around the preciousness and the continuity that life is. Here, just simple, just simple examples, folks. Every time we sit in one of those circles, we can absolutely count on there being a lot of tears, a lot of sadness. And you ready for this? 100% of the time in my experience so far, there's been a lot of laughter as well. There's sadness because we've lost someone. And oftentimes that person may have been a lighthouse fixture in our life. It's like they stood for something. They, they meant something. They were someone who we navigated by. They helped ships to come in and ships to go out. They were just who they were. But then there's also this part of laughter. Ready for this? Because we're all so goofy. We're, we're all so human. We all have these, these fun little foibles that actually make us who we are. I've shared this one before. I remember just starting to be a pastor and, and uh, you know, starting to be a pastor and, and this, 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 this wife with tears going down her face, she'd been married for decades, and she just was like, Chuck, I miss him so much. He was the most stubborn man I ever knew. It all belongs somehow at that moment. And then there's these beautiful other stories as part of these circles too that, that, that are almost unimaginable. Most people have lives where they're a quiet hero somewhere. Now that quiet hero maybe with a grandchild. That quiet hero may be volunteering at a you know, cancer center or somewhere. That quiet hero may be someone who they've checked in on over decades. I think about my dear friend, Matthew. We just had a, a skate, a, a fundraising skate for him this past Monday called the Cool Skate. His name was Matt Cool, K-U-H-L. And Matt was sort of one of those larger-than-life people. He was the mayor of just about everything. And Matt and I had played sports together. We were dear buddies. I was honored to be part of his wedding. I was honored to, to officiate at his memorial service. And one of the stories that came up in the circle with, with him was this, this beautiful story where, where he would take a McDonald's meals to the guys who changed his oil, <laughs> you know, every month. And it was just a little thing, but he found out their favorite McDonald's orders, ordered it, and then gave it to him. Well, that's the kind of stuff you find out in these circles that's just so incredibly precious, friends. And what you start to see there is the continuity of life. You start to understand or maybe see more and more about how it all belongs. About somehow there's, this, there's these ways that the pieces fit together. 
And even though death feels like this fracture, feels like this abrupt fracture, when you sit in moments like this, when we sit there, it's like that, that fracture mends. That divide is somehow bridged. And we start to see, again, the goodness of life. I mean, it's such a stock sermon, but it needs to be repeated over and over again. I mean, that's, that's where the Bible begins, is the Garden of Eden, not with life being created perfectly, but life being created only in two ways, good and very good. So as we go into our next song here, you know, think about what that means and, and think about that way that, that, that hearts tend to go forward. And I want you to share as the band comes out, I want you to listen to Nora McInerney, who has spoken from this stage. I want you to listen to her as she talks about that very continuity and the richness that it creates. 2014 was a big year for me. Do you ever have that? Just like a big year, like a banner year. For me, it went like this. October 3rd, I lost my second pregnancy. And then October 8th, my dad died of cancer. And then on November 25th, my husband Aaron died after three years with stage four glioblastoma, which is just a fancy word for brain cancer. So I'm fun. Now, since 2014, I will tell you I have remarried a very handsome man named Matthew. We have four children in our blended family. We live in the suburbs of Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. We have a rescue dog. I drive a minivan, like the kind where doors open, I don't even touch them. By any measure, life is really, really good, but I haven't moved on. I haven't moved on, and I hate that phrase so much, and I understand why other people do, because what it says is that Aaron's life and death and love are just moments that I can leave behind me and that I probably should. And when I talk about Aaron, I slip so easily into the present tense, and I've always thought that made me weird. And then I notice that everybody does it. And it's not because we are in denial or because we're forgetful. It's because the people we love, who we've lost, are still so present for us. So when I say, oh, Aaron is, it's because Aaron still is. He's present for me in the work that I do, in the child that we had together, in these three other children I'm raising who never met him, who shared none of his DNA, but who are only in my life because I had Aaron, and because I lost Aaron. He's present in my marriage to Matthew because Aaron's life and love and death made me the person that Matthew wanted to marry. So I have not moved on from Aaron. I've moved forward with him. These are the experiences that mark us and make us just as much as the joyful ones and just as permanently long after you get your last sympathy card or your last hot dish. Like, we don't look at the people around us experiencing life's joys and wonders and tell them to move on, do we? We don't, like, send a card that's like, congratulations on your beautiful baby, and then five years later think, like, another birthday party? Get over it. <laughs> but grief is kind of one of those things, like falling in love or having a baby or watching The Wire on HBO, where you don't get it until you get it, until you do it. 
And once you do it, once it's your love or your baby, once it's your grief and your front row at the funeral, you get it. You understand what you're experiencing is not a moment in time, it's not a bone that will reset, but that you've been touched by something chronic, something incurable. It's not fatal, but sometimes grief feels like it could be. And if we can't prevent it in one another, what can we do? We need each other to remember, to help each other remember that grief is this multitasking emotion, that you can and will be sad and happy, you'll be grieving and able to love in the same year or week, the same breath. We need to remember that a grieving person is going to laugh again and smile again. If they're lucky, they'll even find love again. That yes, absolutely, they're going to move forward. But that doesn't mean that they've moved on.
Hey everyone, it's Angela. Uh, we wanted to let you know about a new way to communicate with New Church Live. We are trying something this year to better communicate with our congregation. It's something called SMS messaging. So we hear from people all the time that they want to hear about the things that are going on and the community service projects, notifications for Sunday services, etc. So we're trying out something called SMS messaging. And if you want to get on our list of people who will receive these messages, it'll be things like, notifications for going live before Sunday church. It'll be, you know, community service projects that are up and coming, ways of getting involved. Um, so we just wanna make it easy for you to know about things that are happening at New Church Live. So if you want to get on that list, you need to text the word START to 215-302-9575, and that will add you automatically to our SMS list. And we're figuring this out, so it's a work in progress, but we're trying to notify you enough that you know what's going on, but keep our notifications not to be too much um, so that you're overwhelmed by them. So we are working on this and getting it up and running. So again, if you wanna subscribe to that, you text the word START to 215-302-9575. And we hope that this is a great way to communicate with uh, you, our congregation. The last thing is, if you want to make a donation to New Church Live, it's the same way that it always is. If you want to text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977, you can make a donation with your phone. You can go to our website and click the donate tab. Um, and we hope that you will continue to support this congregation. We are so grateful for everyone who chooses to support us. So thank you all and have a great Sunday. Thank you, Angela. Boy, that's, uh, that's very powerful hearing Emily's amazing voice, Ethan's amazing playing, and that video. We started with this sort of synopsis quote from the story of Lazarus. Take away the stone, called by name, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's interesting, folks, right? Like, I think so much of this continuity is to bring our loved ones with us. I mean, right now, think in your head, say their name. Say their name. Your job in life, and I think, I think if they could come back and, and regain life in this, in this life, they, they'd say, yeah, this is how to remember it. Like, like bring me forward. Carry me with you. Not some idealized version, but, but, but carry me with you as the human being that I am, that I was to you and that I will be to all eternity. Roll away the stone. Call them by name. Unwrap the linens and allow them to breathe in some way again in your life. Jesus could do that with a physical resurrection. And we can do it spiritually. That's within our power, within our control. There's, there's power in that, folks. Like as I was backstage, you know, a, a parishioner sent this beautiful, beautiful note it's from 
uh, my dear friend Lynn, and Lynn had lost her mom, and she came over to the new church lab. She came over to the new church lab office, you know, and we're talking about her mom, and we look up in the sky, and there's a rainbow, and she, she rainbow up there in the clouds. She just sent me a picture of it to remind me that it was four years ago. Here's the loss. We're talking about it. Here's the rainbow, the sign of God's covenant. Continuity. That to me, again, is her, is her mom saying, like, I'm here. I'm with you. I will always be with you. I'll be with your children. I'll be with your grandchildren. I will be with you. That continuity can be an incredibly powerful place. And, and folks, if, if, if we are experiencing as well, sometimes we experience these things on, on when the loss has happened. And sometimes we have to as well appreciate the continuity of the human experience as we're facing impending losses, as we're facing grief. Here's a beautiful one. This was an op-ed from the New York Times. It was just a beautiful statement of continuity of the human experience. And it was written by, by somebody on their editorial board whose, whose wife has cancer, stage four cancer. And this is what he wrote. Ever since the deep darkness of that November phone call, that's when he got the call, Nancy and I have experienced countless outbursts of light shining through each one coming through the love and care from other people. My son immediately decided to give up his final quarter of in-person college and take his last classes online so that he could move across the country back home to help his mom. Our church small group immediately started organizing meals. My friends from college raked our leaves so that I could sit with Nancy in chemotherapy. My fantasy baseball league collected funds for wigs. And with each act of kindness and expression of concern, the darkness recedes further. Nothing is easy, and the fear is still real. And I love this last line. But there, next line, excuse me. But there is no comparison between the state of our hearts now and their state when we first received Nancy's grim news. The reason for our revival is rooted in a profound truth elegantly captured by an old Swedish proverb. Shared joy is double joy. Shared sorrow is half sorrow. I've heard that proverb many times. It was the refrain of a men's prayer group that I belonged to for many years, but I'd never felt its truth so powerful until November when our sorrow was so deep and the love of our friends so profound. That's, that's just such a beautiful line, folks. Joy, joy shared is doubled. Grief shared is halved. That idea, but there's no comparison between the state of our hearts now and their state when we first received the grim news. I think, folks, if, if I was to, to capture that, like, what does that mean? I mean, here his wife is facing this very serious diagnosis, and he's saying, yeah, our, our hearts before then and our hearts now, it's hard to even compare them. We've changed so much. Does it mean life got worse? I don't think that's what he's talking about. I mean, he said the grief, the despair is very real, and it, and it always is. You never want to downplay that. But something else becomes even more real than the grief and loss that we feel. Something becomes even more true than all that. 
That's, again, what, what we can settle in and, and where we start to settle, and this is so important, is that life is not better when we go through a loss. It's not that, but this, but it is indeed richer. And, and we start to just understand that richness of the human experience. It's not that the loss means life is rich. It's just we lose someone and we become aware of the richness that has always been there and that will always be there. Life is hard, God is good. Those two things again and again. And what we start to understand, and this is so hard to articulate, is somehow understanding that continuity of experience somehow translates over into a joy that is so hard to capture. Because it's not the joy of a, of a belly laugh at a good joke. It's, though that's fun too. You know, it's, it's this deep, rich joy. It's, it's this fullness of life that's able to hold it all and smile and again come back to the idea that there is life. There is life with a capital L and that it is good. That it is good. And what we start to be able to understand, folks, is this line, piece of Christian New Church thought that says, Reformation starts when we begin to think about heaven in terms of its joys. And I, I think, don't just read that like, you know, we've got wings or something like that. Like, it's a much richer form of joy. And this reformation, you know, probably the language we would use today, this, this restructuring of our lives, our lives start to restructure themselves, start to be shaped differently, when we really start to understand this joy, this joy, that somehow attaches to this continuity, that somehow accepts that in a certain sense it's not a game of every day being better. It's a game of awareness. Awareness of the very richness of life. The richness of all those who've been part of our experience. And friends, you get to bring them with you. Every day, you get to bring them with you. The stone rolled away, calling them by name. The grave linens unwound. And what do we find there, folks? I think that's what Jesus talks about with the fullness of joy. So, closing words here. If you're going through a loss today, we join you there with compassion and humility, knowing that hearts do break. And we also join together, because all of us have dealt with loss, just in settling back, easing ourselves back into this reminder of, of how life works, of this, of this continuity of the, the human experience, of, of all the blessings that are. I mean, it's interesting, before Jesus raises Lazarus from the, from the dead, he talks a lot about, like, like, Lord, I am so glad, God, I'm so glad that you've listened to me. He's talking about his inner self here. He's so glad and thankful that, that I'm here. Friends, let's do the same as we move through our own seasons of loss. 
And just a final reminder, if this service has touched you or last week's touched you in a particular way and you want to find a way to have a conversation around it, we will be doing that again starting this Thursday, 8 p.m. on Zoom. So if that interests you, shoot me a text message or you can go ahead and sign up on our events tab of our homepage. And thank you as always, friends. Thank you for joining us here today as we all move together through seasons of loss and maybe come to understand joy in a little bit of a richer way. Amen. What we're gonna do now, friends, is we're gonna do a little prayer and then we're gonna do the Lord's Prayer and then we're gonna have a little music for meditation as we go into the last song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, as we all do, we all move through seasons of loss. And help us, Lord, to move through those as best we can. Or maybe, Lord, this, to allow those seasons to move through us and connect us and remind us. Remind us of the continuity of life. Remind us that we bring those who have passed right along with us. Guardian angels, Lord, surrounding us, guiding us, inspiring us, giving us the light to see. And be with those, Lord. Be with all those families who are wrestling with loss today. Be with our loved ones. Just be with us as you always are. Your prayer. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace and bring you home. Amen. Thank you for joining us, friends. Have a wonderful week. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And when the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be 
Thank you, everybody. See you soon.